Hello, I'm Persia, and this is Eleven Again. I have been talking to my friends about the things that they were obsessed with as kids. The things that they could not stop reading or watching or listening to or thinking about or talking about, whatever it is. After they tell me, we talk about it a little bit, we go back and re-experience it, and then we talk about it again. If you're not familiar with the thing that we're talking about, it shouldn't be a problem. We'll fill you in, but you can always go back and read or watch or listen along with us. Today, I am talking to James Monroe Iglehart. He and I met working at Marvel. He's a host for one of the podcasts I was working on called This Week in Marvel. And he is like a famous guy. <laughs> He's on Broadway. He's like a singer, an actor, a rapper. He has a Wikipedia. You can go and look him up. James Monroe Iglehart. And so when I hit James up to ask him to be on the podcast, he said he wanted to talk about Thundercats, the animated kids show. I was, so I like looked up Thundercats and it was, it ran from 85 to 89. Yes. I, how did I watch Thundercats? I'm so confused. Uh, because they were, the the reruns um, came on and also there's a brand new show. There was a brand new show that came out. My best guess is reruns. Yeah. You probably saw the reruns. That show was such an impactful show on our generation that jokes came up from those, from that cartoon, like, this is terrible derogatory, but like we had the black girls, the Latin girls, the Asian girls, right? But if the Latin girls had their hair like sprayed up with like, you know, all high and stuff, it's like the spray, it was like combed out, combed out, sprayed up, and it was like up, we would call them Thundercats. <laughs> <laughs> we would see a girl walk by with a big mane, we're like, Thundercats, ho! It's like, it, it was <laughs> terrible and wrong, but it's so true. So, like, you got people in there, um, late 30s and uh, mid 40s who loved the show and we referenced it a lot so of course your generation would like look up and go oh what the hell is a thundercat you know yeah. let me have sight beyond sight you're like what the hell is that well that's in the cartoon like the, all these stupid things <laughs> snarf snarf that that's in the cartoon you know so that just it ran our lives we you know between thundercats and like three other cartoons that was like the basis of like 80s kids cartoons yeah how old were you in 1985 if you don't mind me asking oh 85 i think i was 10 Perfect. i think i was 10 i'm remembering because uh 85 was the year of uh michael jackson without a bad reputation uh michael jackson he was still brown so i was we were you were moonwalking and you were watching thundercats you went to harlem globetrotter games hulk hogan was the world heavyweight champion the world was good you know what i mean <laughs> it was all good clean fun nobody knew anything bad was happening halloween was not a thing so yeah i was about 10 years old okay before we jump into thundercats i just want to fill out your background a little bit so we met while I was working at Marvel. But outside of that, you have a very illustrious career. How how do you like get introduced usually? Um, Weirdly, it, it all depends. Usually uh, someone will introduce me as Tony Award winning James Monroe Iglehart, uh, or they'll introduce me as, uh, when they say this, it's always trips me out because I don't feel it. I go, oh, Broadway star of James Monroe Iglehart. And I'm like, I don't feel like a star because I know real stars. So, but I just say Broadway actor. Okay. It's so yeah. funny. I feel like Broadway is one of those places where you really can be like, have a real career, but still feel like, not that you're struggling, but it's just, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that much about it, but is that right? Like, it just feels like such a difficult industry. It's not struggling. It's just that I always, I always equate it as Broadway is like the redheaded stepchild of entertainment. There's like movies, 
music, and then Broadway. And everybody knows that Broadway entertainers are great. They know that we can do a show. They know that if you want somebody to rock a crowd live, Broadway people can do it. But, you know, why do that when you can get Julia Roberts or, you know, you know, someone, you know, Jude Law or someone great like that? And because people know them because they're on films and they're on TV. And Broadway people, you have to go to Broadway to see them. So it's not that we're struggling. It's just that I think our egos... They're always like, we're good too. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those moments. Name so, brand isn't yeah. everything. And so you, I actually don't know, like your big breakout role was being the genie in Aladdin. Can your friends do this? Can your friends do that? Can your friends pull this? I'm their little hat. Look at you. Can your friends go poof? Yeah, the big breakout role where people where the world found out who I was, my big breakout role yes. was uh, was this show called Memphis. And that was kind of how Broadway realized who I was. I I got to create a role named Bobby Dupree. And I had this big dance number in the second act. And it was like, whoa, who is this guy? And also, you guys can't see me, but I've lost a little weight. I used to be <laughs> real big. And I was like, <laughs> so to see a guy who's about 300 pounds doing the splits and dancing and you know jumping up and down and doing cartwheels and stuff was shocking to people. And everybody wanted to know who I was. And then that's because of that role. That's how I got the genie. And then the rest is history. Right. And so then Hamilton. It is what you think it is. It's like really cool to be in Hamilton, isn't it, Jordan? I mean, it's like it's like really cool to be in Hamilton. And I played the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson. And in the first act, um, I get to stand on these steps and I get to watch this one particular scene. And every time I watch it, I just part of me goes, wow, I'm so glad I get to witness this. And the other part of me wishes that I could just saunter off, slide the beautiful Mandy Gonzalez aside, and look up at the audience and go, a toast to the groom. And also Freestyle Love Supreme. Freestyle Love Supreme, I was with, um, even with in Memphis. I've been with, most people don't realize, Freestyle Supreme been around 16 years. So I was with- Yeah, I've been they with just didn't for, have that Broadway they just title. Didn't, well, yeah, because, you know, when Lynn blew up, the group blew up. They were like, oh, you're in this group? And he's like, yes. So that's how that happened. But mm -hmm. yeah, so as far as Broadway went, yeah, it's, it was Memphis, Aladdin, Hamilton, and then Freestyle. When did you start actually working like in animation? I started working in animation um, many years ago, but it was like really tiny stuff, like a word here, a line here for like a PBS cartoon. Or a friend of mine is the musical director for Sesame Street, so I got to do a couple of a couple of little songs for Sesame Street or Elect the Electric Company. I got to do a couple things for uh, Nature Cat. If you anybody any kids out there watch Nature Cat or you're adults who have kids who watch Nature Cat, like I got to be. Um, <laughs> Not Bobby, not Bobby Buble, but it was Bobby Blue Jay. So I got to sing as a <laughs> Were bird. Were you a little bird? I was a little oh bird. God. So I got to do that. <laughs> and then the big breakout in animation was um, the producer, the executive producer of Rapunzel's Tangled Adventures for Disney Channel, uh, Chris Sonnenberg, came to see Aladdin. And he was pitching the story. He was pitching the show to Alan Menken, who... Alan Menken, if you guys don't know who Alan Menken is, he basically wrote your childhood. Um, <laughs> Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, all that kind of stuff. He was pitching the show to him and Aladdin, I mean, um, Alan gave him tickets to Aladdin and he came and saw, I came on stage and he looks at his partner and he always tells a story. He says, we got to write a part for that guy. And so they created a part for me in uh, Tangled Animated, uh, Rapunzel's Tangled Adventures and I became Lance Strongbow and that's when the Disney family and then Nickelodeon all those people went who's that guy so that's how I started doing uh, voices and that was back in 2014 
Okay, so now we go back. Yeah. You're a little kid. Oh, you're yeah. 10 years old. Yes. <laughs> you're watching Thundercats. Yes. Did you know at that point that you were like interested in performance? Oh, God, yeah. I started doing, um, I was doing, I was doing solos at church from the time I was four years old. So I always had a love, love, love for, for performance. And um, I just wanted to be a part of it. Every time I heard applause, I was like, how can I be in this? So... Uh, <laughs> That's kind of what happened. <laughs> was animation even an idea for you at that point? Or was that something when you were like, I have a career, I need to make money because like, it's hard out here any way that I can. So I'll take whatever these small roles. No, it was always a thing. I always wanted to do animation. I've loved the voices of animation since um, I was probably about six years old. When my father first took me to see Jungle Book at the drive-in and I wanted to know who was doing the voice of Baloo and found out that that was um, Phil Harris or like Sterling Holloway was doing the voice of Ka the snake and you find out that Ka the snake is also the voice of Winnie the Pooh and you're like wait that doesn't make any sense how can Ka and Winnie the Pooh be the same person and you know so I was always in loved the voices and we my father and I we watched um, every morning I would get up Scott ass early because I'm a kid and watch Saturday morning cartoons. He wouldn't get up till about 11. And that's when Looney Tunes would come on because those were his cartoons. So we watched Looney Tunes together. And then I find out that, you know, most of those voices are done by one guy, Mel Blanc. And so I was always interested in voices. I'm, I'm that I'm that adult who uh, who probably keeps the Scooby-Doo cartoons going. So if anybody's really pissed off that Scooby-Doo still has like 50,000 cartoons, I'm that guy who's watching them. Sorry. <laughs> You're the only person. Please make more. <laughs> like please stop watching me stop making these it was like no no I, it, it's, it's me. me please keep going thank you that's amazing <laughs> i just feel like kids a lot of times don't have that sort of thought into the fact that there are physical people who are voicing these characters like i feel like a lot of kids grow up and are just like those are the characters it's hard to like get to that extra step i think because my my parents were entertainers so my dad was an actor and my mom was a singer and you know she taught music in school you know for 36 years and my dad did a lot of voiceover stuff and, you know he would always whenever there was something that the church needed for voiceover my dad was the one doing it and when he was in hollywood for about 10 years he did all that stuff so for me I always was looking at the behind the scenes, like who, like the, I was that kid. So you're right. My friends were like, oh, that's just so-and-so and that's He-Man. And I was like, yeah, but who does the voice of He-Man? You know, you find out that the voice of Skeletor is also the voice of like Falcor in Neverending Story. And like, that's the same dude. Holy crap. You know, that was me. And my friends looked at me like, why do you care? But I, cause I wanted to do it. That's, I wanted, yeah. I, wa I wanted to, you know, figure out how to be that guy. I know. For other people, it's like ruins the magic a little bit. But for yeah. you, like, no, that is the that cool is thing. the magic because it, it, you know, it's I, you know, I'm an attention hog. I know who I am. I, you have, you have to know who you are, and I need the yeah. spotlight. And I'm like, it doesn't matter whether it's on stage or behind a mic. Where is it? Where can I find it? Give it to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't say there's a whole lot of spotlight for people doing voiceovers for animation, though. You know what? Not not then. Now it's much bigger. There's a, you know, there's like huge websites and Twitter followers of, of uh, people who do voiceovers because people realize it's, it is a cool magic thing that they do. Yeah. And I loved it. And also there's just a moment of, I love cartoons so much. I, I almost said past tense, like I loved. No, I love cartoons so much that I do enjoy just doing it and then going away. Like there's a cartoon I do on YouTube that just came out called Hell of a Boss. And uh, I just did a voice on it and just left. Or the crazy thing is, <laughs> I can say this now. I can say this now because I'm. It's been years. There was a cartoon called Black Dynamite, 
on Cartoon Network. Black Dynamite was based on the movie Black Dynamite. And I was working for Disney at the time and they asked me to do a voice on it. And I didn't, and there was a lot of cussing, a lot of, you know, boobs and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) And I couldn't tell anybody. So if you look up Black Dynamite and the Wiz episode, where they get they do a blacker whiz. So there was a there's a Wizard of Oz, there's the Black Whiz, and then there's their version is the Blacker Whiz. Oh <laughs> it's real ratchet. I I sing one of the songs. Uh, it's called No Fucked Up Food. Like it's and it's based it's based on uh, No Bad News from the Whiz. So the musical yeah. No Bad News. This is No Fucked Up Food. I sing. I'm the vocal voice for No Fucked Up Food. But I have made up a name. So I have a. I, um, I, if you ever see Sergio Hill. And that's me. Oh my god, you used like a pen name. I use a pen name, so no one would know. Sergio Hill, who's yeah. he? It's it's a it's a mixture. It's t- two names in my family, and I put them together, and I was like, oh, okay. that's, that's what I I'm gonna like, do. like a whole new James. Oh yeah, you're yeah. out in like clubs playing the saxophone, and they're like, who's that? Right. Sergio Hill. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Sergio Hill. Like, yeah, it was, it was, it was, sunglasses and shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we're at Thundercats. Yes. I I gotta say, I don't remember a single plot point to that tv show <laughs> i think I it's like all about the the look the look of those it, characters mostly it is about the look of the characters i mean don't get me wrong there's i think the first the the first episode the first two episodes the middle of like the sixth season or something like that weird and like the end are like the big the big plot points because something about you know you're seeing these weird characters together thundera is about to blow up and they have to find a new planet and jaga is flying the ship and so he puts his thundercats into suspended animation and then he knows he's not going to make it to the next planet and then jaga like becomes a ghost which is obi-wan style and then when they get there and they open up the things little lionel is no longer little lionel he's big sexy lionel with a giant (laughs) red afro and he's got the sword of omens and it's just you know that though that episode you know that double episode is like the one and then there's like one where he goes gets mumra and then like the end but most of them are just it's all about how cool the look is you know yeah could you give a little place setting for what the show is about they're aliens they are aliens they are humanoid aliens but they are more they are based on cats so just imagine if in the world instead of um <laughs> i don't know how i'm in trouble i'll get it for this instead of our ape-like creatures evolving just imagine if cat creatures evolved into humanoid figures and the thundercats are you know those figures and they are so (laughs) what i love what's funny is when you're a kid you know it totally makes sense but when you're an adult you're like wow you guys did not really y'all just threw up some names so like each cat is a cat so like lion-o is a lion and tiger is a tiger and Panthro is, can you guess? And then there's Chitara. And, and then Wily Kit and Wily Cat. I wonder if they're Wildcats. You know what I mean? So it's like they didn't really yeah. go that far to name the characters. It's for kids. I, like, good for them, honestly. Right. It, it, and it, what, what, what's great was it grabbed you. It it grabbed you. You were like, Lionel. And, and you know, you go to school and each person has their favorite. My favorite's Panthro because it's Panthro. Right, right, and you guys totally. argue about something stupid. And that's like the best thing about those kinds of tv shows is everyone gets to pick their one i mean same thing with the x-men it's just like and i'm this one yes everybody with the thundercats everybody got to pick their one and it was you know it was fun and they all worked together and there was always a uh you know in the 80s everybody had to have a moral at the end so whatever they went through just just to make sure that they weren't just selling toys they were trying to teach the kids something there was a moral at the end yeah i wanted to talk about this because i do feel like after working at marvel 
and I'm sure maybe you were more cognizant of this than I was, but like once I worked in Marvel, like and learning so much about the history of all these things, you realize how much of these shows were just about selling toys. Yeah. Yes. Most definitely. This is about this is one giant 22 commer- 22 minute commercial of how to get the kids to buy the toys. And the bad part is sometimes the toys were worth it and sometimes they weren't. And thank God that the shows were somewhat watchable because the to- sometimes if you get the toy and you're like, oh, my God, this toy is a piece of crap. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, trust me, I, I had the Thundercats. I, I, they sold me. I had the Thundercats and I had the sword. You know, they also, they sold the sword. They sold the sword, Priscilla. They sold. Like the full size? Like not, not a full sword. size, not a full size, but they, because they, they sold you one where the, so for the people that don't know, the Sword of Omens was a dagger. And once you called it and you said, Thunder, Thunder, Thundercats, ho, the sword grew. They sold the sword, but they all, they sold it in, in sword form, but it wasn't too big. So kids wouldn't kill themselves, but it, it couldn't go back to the dagger formation. Cause you know, that's too many items. Parents ain't got time to buy that. Just buy one thing and just play with that. Yeah. Are they like a family? Yes. Are they like related? Like all of them? No, that's the funny thing. And there's a, there's a moment in the first episode, which is always um, triggers people because you have to understand that Lionel, when they first start off the episode, is like 13 years old. When they land on New Thundera, he's like 21. And so there's Chitara, who you think Chitara has something going on with Tigra, but she keeps making references to how handsome Lionel is. And you're like, the, he's a kid. I mean, I know he's big <laughs> now, but he's still sure he's aged because of the, you know, they, they went over, you know, like cross time and light, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you're in suspended animation, so you grow a little bit. But he's mentally still a kid. And this grown ass woman just looking at Lionel like, hey, and I was like, he's a kid. But, you know, you know, <laughs> let's not put that together. <laughs> yeah. OK, we'll see. <laughs> we'll get into it. Yeah. Trust me, you'll, you'll, you'll see and you'll be like. Wait a You'll be like, wait a minute. They're all cats, <laughs> I guess. They're all cats. They're all cats. <laughs> okay, I don't want to get too much into it because I want to watch. But do you have, like you mentioned two episodes. Do you have specific? Um, yeah, I definitely think, oh, hold on, I'm going to them now. Uh, I definitely think that the the, orig- the original uh, episode is the one to to see. It sets up everything. It's it's perfect. And um, there's one with the burbles. Star Wars had come out. The burbles are basically these little mechanical um, bears uh, okay, that live so Ewoks. basically, and they're being tormented, and the Thundercats have to come and save them. <laughs> it's really stupid, but also wonderful at the same time. So that wasn't the burbles, and uh, if I think of any, I think that, like probably the last episode is like really, really good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Three or four is fine. You text me if you see any that you most definitely that spark your interest. Oh yeah. Thundercats are on the move. Thundercats are loose. Feel the magic, hear the roar. 
I just watched this morning. I'm fresh off the boat. Oh, cool. How was you? You had a nighttime viewing. How was your? I had a, I had a great nighttime viewing. I watched um, I watched it again last night. I watched all three. It was funny because the family was in the house, so uh, I t- everybody was doing like little art projects, and I said, "Hey, since you guys are working, can I, you know, watch the Thundercats thing?" They were like, "Yeah, sure." And my son-in-law's like, so uncle, what he he loves to make jokes about me being old. He goes like, so, you know, uncle, what what is this old cartoon you're watching? Is this is this He Man? I was like, no, this is Thundercats. And so he starts watching, and he's like, wow, that's that's really scary. I'm like, yeah, Mumra can be really freaking gross and scary. And you look at it, I was like, it's all you know, it's Japanese animated the way you could tell the way it's drawn and stuff. But it was he got into the story. He was like, oh, so 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 what's happening? I'm like, see, old stuff. It can still grab you in. I kept waiting for it. Like when I've watched other old cartoons before, I kept waiting for me to go, wow, this is really stupid. It didn't happen. <laughs> I was like, ah, still love it. Although <laughs> my wife leans over to me. She's, she's working on her computer. She's working on a project. She goes, Snarf is still annoying. Snarf oh is still freaking annoying. <laughs> Snarf is so fucking weird. <laughs> yes, because you're like, every other Thundercat is like hum- humanoid. And then this cat that can talk but just completely just in the way. It's like a dog, cat, lizard person. Yeah, the lizard tail with the cat, which is why I wanted you to watch um, the the episode about Snarf because yeah. it was like, okay, there are some things that he can do. He he He's not useless, but he is definitely the, at the time, every cartoon had that one character that was kind of like the comic relief or the one that got in the way, the one you have to save, you know. So Snarf was that character, but... Going back and seeing them, how the mythology started, I did find it funny though that um, a couple things that I noticed were the mutants. So you have Slythe, Monkey, and, and uh, Jackalman. They were called mutants. I was like, why aren't the Thundercats mutants? What's what's what is? Why aren't the Thundercats mutants? Because they technically are mutants. I had the same exact confusion. I was like, okay, they're all humanoids based off of animals. The mutants are like the. Um, they're like the evil henchmen in yes. in Thundercats. And the whole time they just called the mutants. There's like not really an explanation for why they're called the mutants as far as I saw. No, there wasn't. There's never been. But they're not that different from the Thundercats. They're really just humanoids, no. but based off of different animals. They're not based off of cats. And for some reason, that makes them like completely different and alien and awful and weird and evil. It, it, there definitely there definitely was an elitist feel. It was like, yeah. we're the Thundercats. They're mutants. They're it's mutants. Like, you are also. I, I found it interesting that um, one of my favorite scenes was that uh, all the Thundercats are naked, but they have pants lines, <laughs> and then when they throw the clothes on them, they cover up all the places. <laughs> it was just so. It was so weird. But the way that they are naked looks exactly like what your action figures look like when you took off their clothes. Exactly. Yes. They have like no genitalia None. and they have, you, you know, action figures, you know, cause their legs move. Yes. So they're in sockets. And I think that's what the pants lines look that's, like. They look, yeah, they you're look absolutely right. like action figures in the TV show. Yes. Yes. Cause I was tripped out because when they had the sockets on and then he goes, take these garments, he throws the garments at them and their garments line up exactly where the socket lines are. <laughs> so strange. There's also some things that make me laugh. Like, uh, when you realize that, um, by the time you get to the Snarf episode, the 25th episode that I said to watch, okay, you, they're flying from Thundera and the mutants are taking it. So it basically tells you that there were other Thundercats, but they were being knocked out of the sky of space by the mutants. So the only thing that lasted was the flagship. Flagship lands on, th- on Third Earth. Flagship has enough equipment 
to build a thunder tank and enough equipment to build a giant cat lair with a giant cat head on top of the lair. And I was like, how big was this flagship? Because the way they made it seem, it didn't look as big as it should have been. But they obviously had enough equipment to build a castle (laughs) shaped like a cat. That's all Panthro. That guy had gadgets on gadgets. Yo. <laughs> also, that that tickled me because for as a kid, we all knew there's there's we all knew the Panther was the black one. Okay. So first of all, <laughs> I had I had thoughts, I had questions. Yo, no. First first of all, um, is he's voiced by I, oh god, they can't think of their brother's name. Earl right. Hyman. Earl Hyman. Uh, and m- for those of you who don't know, if you watch the Cosby Show. If you're old enough to watch The Cosby Show, and most people probably won't watch it now, but if you did watch The Cosby Show, he played Bill Cosby's dad. He played Heath Cuxable's dad. And that voice is just, it's so recognizable to me as Panthro. But his his features, everybody else had very Anglo features. Panthro's lips are a little thicker. His nose is a little wider. He's got a bald head. He's blue. There's a, he's, he's a brother. You know, you know he's a brother. <laughs> And I just love the fact that, like, Panthro was like, yeah, yeah, I can I, I can build it. I, I'll build it. I, I can build anything. It's fine. Yeah. He's the tech guy. Yeah. It's just so funny to me. I mean, like, immediately, for like, in the first scenes, like, before they even land on Third Earth, I was like, oh, Panthro's black? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I was just thinking, like, it's so funny there are so many kids cartoons that are that are based on animals. Yeah. There's so many kids cartoons that don't have actual human characters. And I think a lot about that. I think at, at this point it's sort of tradition, but I do think there's a part to it of making it almost accessible for any kid. You don't really have to worry about diversity in a sense. You right. just sort of make something that like literally whatever a kid looks like, even like disabilities or physical appearance or literally whatever, like it's accessible because it, it's they're not humans. Right. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But a lot of times they're coded racially anyway. Yes. Yeah. Transformers. They're robots. They're robots. But when Jazz spoke, Jazz was black. Because <laughs> he was voiced by Scatman Carruthers and the way he spoke to Prime you're like that's a, that's a, that's a black dude. That's a black dude, <laughs> and it's it's so funny because when they redid the Thundercats for the reboot, Panthro was voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson, who was a large black man. So it's like certain characters on the teams, even if they're cats or I mean animals or they are robots, they're. <laughs> it, it must be the timbre of the voice that you guys know. Okay, that guy's that guy's <laughs> black. Yeah. But at Panther, they, like you even said, like they make his features black. Like they he's make his features black. Yeah. Well, the same, the same thing with Jazz in the um, Transformers. I, this is terrible to say. <laughs> Jazz has a he has a, he has a nose and a mouth, but there's sunglasses and the way his hat is portrayed. You're like, oh, that's a brother. <laughs> it's really weird, but it's it cracks me up. You're like, all right, there it is. Something about it is so silly. Like, first of all, obviously there's some creator intent to that. Yes. But also, like, our brains are just so keyed into that, so fucking tuned into that shit. Yes. Like, we live our whole lives in this fucking paradigm and we won't give it up, not even for a fantasy space cat humanoid cartoon. It's like, we can't say, oh, look, there are no races. Like, this is a brand new race. This race doesn't exist, except for that cat. He's black. That cat's black. I know that. I was like, I'm into it, but also, why are we like this? It's, you know, it's funny. We are, we're not hardwired, but we are definitely 
taught to look for it. That's why I always was drawn to Panthro. Also, Panthro was the smartest one. He's also the coolest one. Like, yes, you know, Tigra was, you know, brilliant and strong. But Panthro was like, yeah, I'm not going to get worried about this. We'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. So you knew that as a kid. Like, you were like, oh, Panthro is black. Like, I yeah. recognize that. I'm oh, like, yeah. whatever, 10. You knew yeah. that. Yeah, you just, you just knew. Panthro had some cool things. One, Panthro could build everything. Two, Panthro had nunchucks. And also he had ninja tabby. And he had spikes. And he was black. It was, it was like everybody wanted to be Panthro. Did you, did you have like a favorite character growing up? Oh, Panthro was definitely my favorite character. Yeah. I always wanted, I always wished Panthro could like wield the Sword of Omens, you know, but that wasn't his Let game. him have a turn. Yeah, let, let, let's see. But that, that, he'd have been way too powerful. He'd have been way, if he'd had all that crap and the sword, you wouldn't, you wouldn't need the rest of the team. I don't even imagine him like really playing with the. I imagine him like throwing the sword just like directly into someone's yeah. heart and then being like, well, okay. Yeah. The way he was portrayed, he's like, ah, well, he died. Well, you know, that, yeah. that's what happened. I mean, it works, you know. It works. That's what, that's what we have to do. <laughs> <laughs> did you get, did you watch the, uh, the verbal one or just the other three? Uh, no, I watched the verbal one too. So see, and that way, <laughs> there's a line at the end that what I, what I love about Panthro is what uh, Lionel says. They left without even a thank you. And he's like, is that why you did it? Then why'd you do it? It was so, although Tiger is supposed to be the smart one, it's such a sage moment from Panther of like, look, we don't do it for the things. We do it because that's who we are. And that's, once I watched that episode, that's the third episode of the whole series. Once I watched it, it was like, that, that kind of set the tone for me of what Panther was. It was like, why do you do things? I do it because I'm supposed to. That's my job. Panther was the guy who's like, I do my job well. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I loved yeah. it. It did. So the thing I came away with, especially when you were talking about Lionel like aging, but yeah. not aging mentally. I don't think I really understood what was happening. So they are looking for like a new home planet. Yes. And they have to go into like suspension pods yes. uh, because they have to travel for a really long time to get there. And they don't mm-hmm. want to like die on the way there. Right. So Lionel goes in a, and he's like, I don't know, a preteen. He could yeah. be anywhere from like 11 to 14. Pretty much, yes. And he comes out as like kind of a fully grown man. I would say like 20 or 22 yeah. or something. Yeah, a good, a good, a good, a good 20, 23 at the latest. And for some reason, though, the other two kids, the Wiley Cat kids, don't grow up. That's Trust me, that is a thing <laughs> that has been um, talked about. People are like, but then you almost went, okay, so are you saying that they are pretty much fully grown? Yeah, Wiley maybe they're just small. And Wiley Cat. We always we always thought they were kids, but the older I got, I was like, wait, no, they're just small. And but anyway, so that framework for Liono also becomes the framework for the show because like you said, episode two and episode three, especially, you sort of realize that, oh, this is just a coming of age story for him. Yes. They say it out loud. They're like, he's grown physically, he has not grown mentally. This boy does not know what's going on. Yes. He's supposed to be our leader, but like we're going to guide him gently <laughs> through yeah. the world. Yes, it's like oh, he has no idea what's going on. Like, literally, there's a moment where he goes, "My hands are so big," and now he's like, "I'm a, I'm a, I'm grown now. I don't need that teddy bear. Look at me. I'm six foot four. It's like, <laughs> but you still have no idea what the hell's going on. The size does not make the man. My no, at, at all. And he, just the dumb idea of like, it is. It's a little bit like Shazam, you know. Like yes, yes, very much. Boy that. turns into a man. Like so, there's that sort of humor, like intrinsic to that idea. But there's also, like you were saying, like the moral of the story. You know, every story, every episode is essentially like a growth yeah. period for him. And so that's 
it's a nice, easy backdrop for what the show is. And what the show is otherwise is just like Star Trek, Star Wars, but yeah. make it animals. But make it animals. It's, it's so, there's so many aspects to it. You know, you have Jaga, who obviously is like a very strong play on Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> Who shows up as a ghost whenever, uh, whenever they need him, you know? And there's the sword because you know everybody has a, some form of saber to fight with, mm, you know. Saber. You know, some form of saber, and you know you have your <laughs> just the, whenever when I saw the rope, the robo bills, the robo bears, I was like, oh my god, it's Ewoks, it's the Ewoks out there. Those burbles, though, I could not understand a word they were saying. I was like, am I supposed to understand when they talk? <laughs> Because Lino is talking to them like they're buds, and I'm like, they're incomprehensible. Just the weird um, electronic voice they tried to do, and then the fact that they were, um, they would say burbly, burble, like they, they like would keep like do saying things over and over. You're like, oh, so what's happening? Burbles, burbles, burbles from the planet Robert. Been here for burble years. I think they're called burble snarf, uh, Robert burbles. Chnarf, that's not what I've been calling him. You know, when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, it makes perfect sense. As an adult, I'm like, wait, I need to what, like, rewind. What did you say? What? <laughs> Subtitles, please. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The other thing, though, I was thinking about, I was like, okay, yeah, Star Trek, Star Wars, very much like Alien of the Week. You yes. know, there's a one big villain who's sort of like chilling in the background, Mumra. Yeah. And then also, I was like, when did Cats the Musical come out? 1981 uh, around around that time yeah yeah, yeah. right before the cartoon <laughs> trust me my nephew he's he like did cats have anything to do with i was like god i hope not <laughs> it sure seems like it did though it's such a it also such a fun design but you could also tell that they were they weren't they weren't trying to rip off he-man but there were definitely a moment of competition you know he-man has a sword there's the castle there's the, the, the skeletor blah, blah blah we have to have the you know so thundercats had all of that and he had his crew so it, it's amazing the things that they took from different genres to create this show because you could you could feel that the the borrowing not stealing but the borrowing of certain things yeah. in the show but yeah i think that's what was always confusing for me because now watching it i was like oh it's so spacey it's so like technology oriented and spacey whereas like I think I sort of had this idea that it was more like He-Man, a little bit more medieval, a little bit more like, I don't know, Indiana Jones, a little bit more old school. No, it's it's ve- it's very sci-fi, very sci-fi slash magic because the sci-fi comes in with the Thundercats, but the Sword of Omens is mythical and everything like that. And then Mumra, all magic. Yeah. He's an interesting character. Very. I do like how he like transforms physically all the time. And his like his mummy vibe, and then his like big scary yeah. vibe when he turns into a plague of locusts. That's right. really fun. <laughs> he's got range, you know. Yeah, he's he's got ra- his range of magic, but I also love the fact that you know he can't do anything unless he says the uh, you know the incantation. But I also love the fact that his reflection, the reflection of his own evil face, is his biggest weakness. My favorite thing that he said. He just like goes and tries to stop the Thundercats from doing something, and he comes back to his to his lair, and he's like. Mumra was not successful and he's sort of like going back into his sarcophagus and he's yeah. like but you know I'm gonna live for fucking ever and I can try again okay bye <laughs> you must do better against the Thundercats next time Mumra <laughs> and you will time means nothing 
We'll have another chance. And it just cut the, the sarcophagus kind of closes. And he was like, hey, man, I've been around here for a millennia. One, one shot in, one shot ain't going to take me out. How did you feel watching it now that you've like done animation work? Whereas when you were a kid, you were sort of interested but hadn't physically been in the booth. I, I was um, I was loving, loving listening to the uh, the characterizations of the people. And I was loving realizing that that company had a group of actors and they did all their cartoons. So it was fun to kind of listen to it now and go, oh, wow. Okay, in the Thundercats, he played this character, but in Silverhawks, he played this character. And then in Tiger Sharks, he played this character or she did this or they, you could, they had like this group and they basically just shuffled them around, except for one, the voice of Mumra is the same voice as Moonstar in Silverhawks. It's the same character and the same thing happens. A, a magical incantation turns him into something big and destructive and he goes and destroys the team. And so it was interesting to listen to how the actors decided, I don't see any reason to change this voice. This, this voice is the same thing. So when I'm in the booth, I usually get a picture of the character first and start playing around in my own you know, little closet and try to figure out what to do. And then when I go to the place, if they have me go to the city, you know, I already have a voice in mind. But to have these guys go, yeah, I'm only going to change a certain thing. You know, if Lionel sounds this way, but bluegrass is my voice. But it also, if I put an accent on it, he's different. It made me appreciate loving it as a kid because I still got excited when the voices came on. I still get excited when I hear those voices because that's what I that's what I wanted to do. So I, I still get excited and it's fun. Yeah, I always wonder when you're doing like a role on a TV show, something that's like sort of long and ongoing, how do you keep your voice consistent? You mean uh, for a voiceover? Yeah, for a voiceover. They'll play they'll play the track back for you so you can hear it. So like I'll, I'll audition for something and send it in and like I'll give them three different voices and they'll say, okay, you got you booked it. And I'll go, okay, which one did I book? Because I gave you three. And they'll say, we'll send the tracks. They send you the track and you'll go, okay, that's what I did. Okay, great, I'll do that. And then when you go in, after, when you start, like with Lance Strongbow, um, I had done it for three seasons. So by the time we got to the third season, I, I knew what Lance spoke. I, I could read the line and knew what he would say. So, Lance Strongbow, if you guys are so tight, where have you been all these years? Where have I been? More like, where haven't I been? <laughs> you were in prison, weren't you? Mostly, yes. But you know, right now, I'm not thinking about where I've been. I'm thinking about where I'm headed. Ha <laughs> ha, yes! That's the attitude! And right now, I'm headed to the bathroom. And, and I, I end up sort of giving input. I'm like, would Lance do that? Would, you know, this is a moment and you know him. If there's food around, he's going to go to the food first. So should we do that? Should we make a joke about that? And so you know the characters after a while. It's kind of like being in a play. Like, you know the characters so well that even you start giving input. Yeah, that's great. I feel like that's such a fun level to reach with the character. And, and Thundercats ran for so long that, you know, we as kids kind of were like, yeah, that's that's what Lionel would do. Of course, that's that's what Panther would. Do. Panther was cool. Like Panther never lost his cool. You know, Snarf was annoying and always <laughs> without fail. <laughs> without fail. 
Same thing. I mean, I, when I was watching it, my partner was walking around in the background, like making breakfast or whatever. And he was just like immediately like copying all the voices and stuff. Like he was like, Thundercats, ho! And I was like, okay, what, wait, excuse me. Why are you here? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, there's something about that. There's something about a consistency in the 80s cartoons. You know what I mean? You knew that they were going to go out, have an adventure. Some bad thing was going to happen. And you knew somewhere before the end of the episode, Lionel was going to have to go, oh, my God, I need help. Thunder, thunder, thundercats. Oh, you knew. <laughs> and you knew somewhere there was going to be some self-deprecation from they, well, great. Nobody even cares about old snarf, snarf, snarf. You're like, stop bitching. We won. Okay, we're alive. <laughs> was there anything else that you were looking at or noticing that felt different this time around? I think I wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting such the nostalgia feel when I saw it again. Um, I still got giddy. I still got, <laughs> my wife laughed at me because she saw my face. She was like, you were smiling so big. The, I got giddy when the, when, the, when, the, when the song comes on, you know, Thundercats are on the move, Thundercats are loose. I was like, ah, that brings me back. <laughs> just, I think I wasn't expecting that, but I was also um, very impressed with, although it's an 80s cartoon, how clean the backgrounds looked. The, their storytelling was for that time of what they were trying to portray. I mean, to me, if you could, you could take that story of the Thundercats and if you did it in computer animation and redid it and put it up now, it would still work and kids would still want to be cats and run around outside with a sword and start swinging at mutants. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have to do a little bit more explaining because, you know, the kids are a little bit smarter nowadays. You'd have to basically call them all mutants and explain why. But the story itself of finding a new planet, you're the young one, you're, you're a young man in an old man's body, but you have these people, you have these powers, save this planet. People will still dig it. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, what is that quality? What is the thing that made this pop off? Like, why is why was Thundercats so successful? And I, I'm, I'm not sure that it's t like, I'm not sure that it's really explainable. No, I, I don't think so either, because there were so many cartoons that came out at that time and certain things just didn't work and certain things did. But there was a feel. There was a feel to the cartoons at that time. The Conan, the Barbarian feel, the Star Wars feel, the Star Trek feel, the, you know, the mythical, magical sci-fi feel. If you had that, it seemed, and you, and you had a core team of personalities that were interesting. And then you had that one object, that one sacred object that you could all go look to the show seemed to work because you had, you know, the sci-fi aspect, you had the tech aspect, you had the magical, then you had the sword and, you know, the guy who wielded it. And, you know, he was tall, big, golden and red haired and his hair, his hair always looked like it was blowing in the wind, even though there was no wind. <laughs> so at, I think it just, it was, it just hit at that moment. It was just, that's what everybody was looking for. Yeah. That's great. I'm glad I watched some of it. I was so glad. I was hoping, oh gosh. I, I, I've known you long enough to know that you're very sophisticated. I was like, oh, please, I hope she doesn't think these are too damn corny. <laughs> I mean, listen, there are parts where I was like, I have no idea what's going on. But I was still like, I'm on the ride. Right, yes. <laughs> what do the mutants want? Is this kind of just like, we destroy them at any cost? Like, there, is there any background that ever gets revealed? That, that's the thing. And I see, and I have, I'd have to watch the whole thing over to do it, to really understand it. I know the new, the reboot goes into the, um, the history of it a more, bit more, but like the eighties cartoons, they just started 
Yeah. Boom. Hey, villain, good guys, here we go. We know we know the mutants want the Sword of Omens. What they're going to do with it, we don't know. It seems like one of those things where like two clans live next to each other and they just like don't like each other. And there's you forget the original argument at this point. You're just like, I fucking hate that guy. Right. Because when you think about it, the jackal is a lot closer to the Thundercat than he would be <laughs> to the lizard and the monkey. The only really big issue I had was um, in the episode with the burbles. Yes. There was one burble that was like specifically a girl burble and she had a high voice and a flower in her hair. <laughs> well, she doesn't have hair. She had a flower on her head. Yes. And I was like, what is this like a Smurfette situation? Why is there only one girl and she's just like excessively weirdly feminine? Listen, um, 80s had a hard time putting women into quote unquote boy shows. You could tell. Certain shows kind of did it successfully, but whenever it was anything female oriented, the, the, oh, a flower shows it. Uh, she's pink. Yeah, that'll work. That'll work. Uh, or uh, they'll like give something boobs that don't need boobs. Yes. You're like, why, why does she? Well, it shows she's a girl. That's what it, it shows she's a girl. You're like, Ugh. it's like she's a robot. She, she's not nursing her young. <laughs> But also, like, it had, there was no reason for it. Like, it's not like half of the burbles were girls. There was just one. It was just I was one. Like, if you're trying to prove that they're not gay, like, do more. That's the other thing is, I'm sorry. The Thundercats, um, like, lost their race. They're going to a new Earth. Where is the repopulation effort? Listen, because there's Wiley Kit and Chitara. And then four guys. <laughs> and you're like, what are we doing? What's happening? Yeah. They they seem to be focused on the wrong thing. Yes, they're like or like they should get with the mutants. Like the more the merrier. You got, right. You, you need more than five people. It's like look, we need to. And also, there's no female mutants. You know what's that? It was just dudes. Mutant, mutants had oh, yeah, no. Oh yeah, because there were no mutants with flowers in their hair. No, because they were evil. There's no evil women. Come late. That comes later. <laughs> yeah. And also, also it's, it always seemed like Tigra and Chitara had a little something. But then when you know, like I said, the uh, you know. When Lionel comes out, oh, and so handsome. I'm like, hey, what's happening? <laughs> it definitely seemed like Tigra and Chitara had like a little coupling happening. They just seemed like the kind of like the parents. Yeah. Panther was like the fun uncle. Yeah. Panther's like, look, uh, I, I know of a tribe, but I'm not telling y'all about it. <laughs> Lionel's like, where are you going, Panther? Nowhere. You stay here. You guard the castle. You, you guard the castle here. <laughs> Don't follow me. <laughs> okay. Thank you, James. Please, Priscilla, thank you. This has been fun. I, it gave me an excuse to watch the cartoons again. Oh, yeah, of course. Is there anything you're trying to uh, send out into the world that you want to let people know about? There is something. There's a thing called um, Hell of a Boss on YouTube. It's an amazing cartoon. Fantastic. It is so inappropriate for kids. It's an adult cartoon. It's about living in hell, and it's fantastic. Check out Hell of a Boss. Check out, uh, if you go to... Um, if you like podcasts, I play Santa Claus in Twas the Night Before Christmas. Me and a bunch of Hamilton folks did the voices for everybody. And then if you're into just a holiday, a brand new holiday musical, go to YouTube and look up The Nice List, the musical. I play Santa Claus in that, too. Everybody was calling me for Santa this year. It's really weird. But Persia can see my beard, so I think she understands. So, yeah. Yeah, you got a little white beard going on. <laughs> you need some extensions yeah. for Santa, but... Yeah, I, well, what's funny is I make a joke in the nice list. I make a joke. I say, hey, guys, uh, what do you think? I, I cut my beard off so my wife could see my face uh, j just before Christmas. And they were like, yeah, we'll keep it. We'll yeah, keep okay. It. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. for This has been fun. Yeah, thank you. Have a good holiday. You too, girl. Bye. 
Thank you again for listening as we are reaching the end of the year. I am more and more thankful for the community that we've built around this show and for my friends and family who tune in each week. I also wanted to give a shout out to my cousin, sister, brother show, Into the Aether, a low-key video game podcast because they just did their Game of the Year episode. You should go check it out. It is excellent. Also, I am starting up an Instagram for this podcast. It's still like in development. I'm still figuring out what it's going to be, like what the vibe is going to be exactly. But it is just called 11 Again Podcast, uh, like the Twitter. So you can follow 11 Again Podcast on Twitter or on Instagram. PWG, the worst garbage, the online.